Ah, a little lad just turned at my fingers. Would you like me to tell you the little story of right hand, left hand? The story of good and evil? H-A-T-E. It was with this left hand that old brother came, struck the blow that laid his brother low. L-O-V-E. You see these fingers, dear hearts, these fingers has veins that run straight to the soul of man. The right hand, friends, the hand of love. Hello and welcome to all the best lines. Praise Jesus. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> you love me or hate me, Smokey? I, I I love you, mate. Of course I do. But, do you know... Well, if you're going to fist me, which one would you give, right or left? <laughs> ah, well, uh, the, uh, the, the hate is the left and the love is the right. So, you know, I'd start you off with a little bit of the left and then finish up with the right. <laughs> <laughs> My left or your right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, it didn't take long, did it, No, nope, it took we're five into, seconds. We're into, <laughs> yeah, we're into fisting. All right. <laughs> How are you, Adam? <laughs> I'm very well. You okay? I'm good. I'm good. It's It's been a little while since it's been just the two of us. I know. Yeah. Missed it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, but that beautiful face. Uh, oh, thank you, sir. I, and 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 right back at you. And um, sounded sincere. We should. Uh, we should. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> That's right a story. Um, we yeah, should. Anyway, go on. Sorry. <laughs> we should. It's fine. We should start by uh, once again thanking Ali for joining us on the last episode. Yep, Ali was uh, an amazing guest. What a lovely guy! Yeah, consummate uh, gentleman and uh, very knowledgeable, and uh, and and what a fantastic film he picked as well. He'd come back anytime. Absolutely, he's more than welcome anytime. And and actually, what has been really nice is that there's more so than I think any other episode we've done is people saying, "Oh well, I haven't actually seen this film yet. I I need to watch it." And it was sort of like, "Ha ha! I've actually beat people for once." It's yeah, never happens. Do you know what? It's, it's very odd you say that because I had a few messages on Patreon from my very lovely patron. And um, one of them, like, well, not even one of them, I think it was like three or four sent me DMs saying, I really want to watch Nimnochka now. But I've heard you and the guys talking about it on all the best lines. So I dropped it into the classic movie library, which is um, one of the perks that my patrons get. And it's been streamed like probably 200 times. Whoa! Since the episode came out, which, which is amazing. So Look at our of, you know, reach. I'm not. I'm not putting this down to everyone. You know, for, from our listenership. I am uh, watching it, but um, a, a few. You know, a few people must have seen it. And gone. Oh, quite fancy a bit in a notch going again, which is the right way to view it because, mm. uh, as I expressed, I think in the last episode, mm-hmm. it's a film that I I didn't particularly think much of until mm. Ali told us to watch it again, and now I think it's a bit of a classic. I, I, absolutely. I mean, it blew me away. It did. And um, yeah, I did. I got a few uh, messages as well. sort of saying, I can't believe you like that so much. It's like, ha ha ha. See? Mm. Never judge a book by its cover. See? <laughs> so a couple of things, which I think people might be interested in. Um, the House of Hammer podcast. Yes, we should be talking about that a bit more on here, shouldn't we? Mm. Yeah, well, let's put it this way: we'd only the last time we were together when we did uh, uh, Hitchcock, we'd only really just started it, so we have an excuse there. And we were at the time riding at number one in the iTunes chart. Well, that's where we belong. Yeah, but we haven't been there again, so <laughs> let's not talk about that. Illusion. I know, but <laughs> but it is doing 
remarkably well. Yeah, it's um, it's an incredible success, and I'm very happy about it, and, and rightly so as well. Not, and I don't say that in a big-headed way. I say because the amount of work that we put into each episode is quite staggering. We have pre-episode meetings. We have a secretary mm-hmm. called Benjamin who takes <laughs> copious amounts of notes and organizes everybody into their various fields. Everyone in a, in a in a giraffe notebook, bearing in mind. In a giraffe notebook. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, he's <laughs> just adorable. <laughs> <laughs> he's lovely, isn't he? <laughs> he, is, yeah, he is. And we get minutes from the meetings sent to us. We do. Um, mm-hmm. We each know our jobs. We go off and we do our jobs, and then we reconvene. Um, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes to do a roundtable recording, and then someone, one lucky chap, gets to slot the whole mm. thing together. And the whole thing is very much um, a, a group endeavour, and it's a really good. Very fun. much. Yeah. It's a good. It's a great show, and I'm very, very proud to be a part of it. It's a, it's a really, really good podcast. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I may have mentioned before that this is the first time I've ever... I mean, this is your bread and butter, you know, research, writing, and then recording. This is, But this is all completely new to me. You know, I've, I've literally, for the entire decade of podcasting I've done until now, is turn up, turn the mic on, and talk bollocks. And mm. that's all I've done. And now to do it in a... talk bollocks in a completely different way, it's... um. Yeah, it's it's an education, and I am thoroughly enjoying it. Granted, I will hold my hands up, listeners, and say that my timekeeping compared to the other three people uh, is terrible. So I apologise for that in advance. But uh, uh, well, actually, what's the opposite of advance? <laughs> I apologise that in retro um, retreat. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, but uh, but no, I'm I'm getting better. Just about, sort of, maybe. So, uh, do you know what the whole show we, we, when we first came up with the idea it was like let's do hammer movies let's do a podcast about hammer movies and and everyone was kind of like okay where should we start where should we start and it was like i tell you what let's go right back to the beginning because the whole the whole that no one ever does the early hammer stuff no one ever does the comedy stuff they do or the real left field stuff they do so let's do everything they do and then when we finished we will have created the most comprehensive hammer document you know, uh, in podcast terms, at least, and put it out into the world. And people can go, you know, they can look at the whole library of it and they can say, well, let's go back to 1930s, let's go to the 1980s, let's go to, you know, let's go horror, let's go musical, let's go comedy. And we're, we're going to have created this thing and it's, it's, it's amazing. And we look at every single movie they ever made right back from the 30s, which began with The Mystery of the Mary Celeste with which actually didn't which if people go back to and listen to the first episode we'll find out that that's not exactly the case but anyway i digress um we're all putting a lot of work into it it's great fun we're all getting to experiment with different styles of podcasting as well like you say you know you're used to turning up and talking and now here you are writing documentary pieces and mate i i haven't written since school i haven't written in 20 years you know, well, more than that, 25 years. So it's just sort of like, you know, uh, to, to actually be sitting down and writing something is is foreign to me. But I am getting into it. And Smokey, not just that. You get to record that stuff. You get to produce mm-hmm. that stuff. And you get to, like, mm-hmm. create your own little mini documentary, a little mini audio treat. And isn't it, it? Honestly, it, it's, it's me. great. <laughs> I, I don't mean this to sound condescending. Please but, do. Um, I, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna sound condescending no matter how i say this but 
the more we've gone on, a, on every week with it, you've just got better and better and better. Um, Kev, Kev stuff's getting, you know, better and better and better. Ben yeah, has just Kev's flowered. It's like, he has. it's just such, it's such a lovely thing to see. And, you know, imagine what the show's going to be like in two, three, four months' time. It's, it's going to be better and better. Who so. knows? Yeah, we're very proud yeah, of the no, House I, of Hammer. <laughs> me too. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a wonderful thing to be involved with. And um, 99.9% of all feedback has been wonderfully positive. And so, and and that, and that's beautiful. And so, yeah, I am I am very proud to be involved in it as well. And it seems people are really enjoying it. And so, and and uh, we we t- took our li- a little bit of time to find our proper footing, but I think we we've nailed it now. And um, and then the next episode, at time of recording, the next episode is out next week. So you know, mm. Ooh, yeah, amazing about um, yeah, yeah about Dick Barton. Do do love a trio of dicks. Yeah, plenty of dick. Um, I'm not. I'm not talking about glory holes, people. It, it, we're actually talking about the the trilogy of Dick Barton movies that Hammer produced in the 40s, <laughs> um, which we've decided to chuck into one episode. Yes. Um, mm. Yeah, it's going to be. It's, it's a good fun. It's a good fun prospect because, well, I actually don't know what you guys are planning for the roundtable and stuff. No. I personally no. am contributing a small history of detectives mm. on radio, which is where Dick Barton got his beginnings. So. Right. That's relevant. I look forward to hearing that. Oh, must admit. Yeah. yeah, but, but, but <laughs> it'd be great stuff. And and don't forget, Mister, I'm hosting this one, so you better be nice. Are you? <laughs> yes, I am. I'm hosting and editing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for comparing you to leprosy. By the way, last time. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. It was your appearance on Anywhere But Here when you told your alternate joke, and so anyone could hear it. Do oh, I heard that, Mister. Do you know what? It was it's was very funny. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard House of Hammer, and by the way, we will stop talking about House of Hammer in a second. We will. Um, but uh, on the House of Hammer, <laughs> when we were coming to do, you know, the credits and all that stuff, it was like Adam Roach, Ben Taylorson, Kev Moore, and Smokey, and it just seemed like the thing to do to make a thing that Smokey goes by one name. So. Well, I won't spoil it for you, but if you go back and listen to the shows, we 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 make the biggest thing possible. Yes, you do. Of Smokey, you just going by a single name. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. However, you know, I, I would just like to point out that regardless of um, whether I go by Smokey or whether I go by my real name, I would still end up last alphabetically anyway. So it would, I would always be at the end. So, you know. That's that's the way I look at it. It's like it's like I I I, I hadn't I hadn't even considered that. I'm not an afterthought. It's just just alphabeticalness. You're like so. the uh, the movie credits, you know, where it's uh, you know starring X X X X X and so and so with yeah yeah so and so. I'm you're I'm the, the Judy Dench yeah. Yeah, yeah you're with yeah you're with yeah. Smokey. yeah that's right that's right <laughs> okay anyway that's enough House of Hammer so. Um, if you haven't listened, please do. And if you have, then please let us know if you liked it or not. That would be nice. Um, before we properly go on to um, correspondence and whatnot, I, I would like to start the show with an apology, um, which is... Um, About time. I know. But if you remember from our previous episode uh, when we did Hitchcock, uh, I, I made light of um, a certain uh, young man in, in the States who... Made it made a jokey 
review for us on iTunes and said, you know, Adam was smooth and urbane. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and and the sm- what whatever it was, the smooth and urbane Adam Roach um, <laughs> talk, talks talks to a drunk sailor. <laughs> I remember it well. We had a message, right. didn't we? <laughs> we did, mate. We did. And look, I just want to point out. To, um, and, and it was from G-Man Brad. So hello, G-Man Brad. Hello. Uh, I hope you're well. Um, but I was full... I was joking about that. I wasn't offended at all. That was just my sense of humour. But bless his little cotton socks, G-Man Brad got in touch with us to make sure that I wasn't offended and to apologise because he thought his sense of humour was a little off, which it wasn't, Brad. It was perfect. It was Brad, perfectly fine. all good, honestly. Smokey wasn't offended at all. But bless your soul, you got in touch to say, oh, I do hope Smokey wasn't offended. Please yeah. apologise if he was. Yeah. No, 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 no. And also, he went back onto iTunes and edited his, his review to include me as being nice and <laughs> it was just i mean that's the sweetest thing and so thank you brad we really do appreciate that i mean that's very sweet you didn't need to it was all in good humor i took it in good humor and i hope you did too which apparently you didn't because you changed your review but it's you, you know we, we we understand you know we've got thick skin over here <laughs> you know we're, we're not from florida or smoky basically has scales mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 can't, I can't disagree. <laughs> I, I wasn't yeah, going to disagree. That's with that. me, old scaly smoky. Scaly smoky. Oh yeah, Let, let's not l- allow that to become a thing. Right. He's like an alligator purse. <laughs> Dear me, I love you. I love I lo- you. Go on. I love you. I love you too. Um, but uh, so yeah. So um, uh, yeah. So so Brad. Please don't worry about that. That is nothing to worry about. And we, we thank you for your uh, listenage and uh, your uh, um, uh, uh, friendship as well. So thank you very much. Thank you for your listenage. Yes, yeah. So uh, before we move on, uh, we, we got another five-star rating and review. Did we? On, on it. Yeah, we did. And and, and this one, uh, I, I want to read out because it references something you literally just mentioned. Which is the fact that this whole smoky one name thing is catching on. Mm. So um, we got a five star review and rating from Wizard Glick, which Wizard I think Glick. is fantastic. I think that's a rapper, isn't it? I, well, it is now. Um, okay. Yeah, and it says classic cinephile Adam Roach. That's you. Uh, introduces the often skeptical Smoky. Often skeptical? I don't think I am often skeptical. I think always skeptical is more. I was going to say constantly skeptical. Yeah, How dare persistently you? Skeptical. Um, Orgasmically skeptical. Thank you. I'm keeping that one. Um, in brackets, it says uh, one name only, like Cher. See, it's catching on. It's totally catching on, and it needs to catch on. I know. Um, yeah. So Adam Roach introduces the often skeptical Smokey uh, to a variety. Uh, excuse me. Yes. Read the whole review. Oh, for f- okay. Classic cinephile Adam Roach. That's better. Okay. There we go. Introduces the often sceptical Smokey <laughs> to a variety of Golden Age movies based on different genres, and the result is a fun, conversational romp that is both thoughtful and hilarious. Look at us. Uh, continues, uh, Wizard continues, sorry. Can you think of another podcast that would reference movies like Irreversible, The Deer Hunter, and Full Metal Jacket in the same breath as His Girl Friday? Because I sure can't. <laughs> 
<laughs> did we reference Irreversible on that? Yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jin. Jin, what have you done to my line? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. To be fair, though, no, uh, but, but thank you, uh, Wizard Glick. That's very sweet. Thanks, Wizard Glick. And good luck on the tour. <laughs> yes. Yeah, with Jay-Z. West, and... West Side. West Side. West Saida. Yeah, that's, that's how you say that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sup. <laughs> yeah, fam. Word. We're, we're... Word up. <laughs> it is. Right. I need more beer for this one. Right. So, we have two emails before we go on to the film. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Which mean here we go. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, you'll 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 see what I'm talking about. Now, this is from someone we both know. Uh-huh. Who? This 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 is from Beatrice. Mm. Hi B, how are you? Hi B, hello. <laughs> um <laughs> so this is partly in reference to uh, something I mentioned in in the uh, the man who knew too much uh, episode which was that um there had been Vicious rumours flying about that our emails weren't genuine. Okay. And they were aimed at one particular person, and that was Beatrice, because she's been accusing me of it ever since we started the friggin' show. <laughs> so, Beatrice, bless her little cotton socks, finally got in touch. And she says, My dearest Smokey, I caught a brief reference on your latest episode, it was latest back then, um, talking about how somebody has been spreading alleged misinformation about the authenticity of the completely fictional, <laughs> completely fictional, Anne Rogers emails. We remember Anne Rogers, don't we? We do, yeah. I'm looking and, at him. Uh, <laughs> how dare you? And Beatrice continues, I may have felt somewhat personally attacked. Oh, dear. Why? Why? Do explain. Okay, she says, but I decided to be the bigger person and rectify the situation. Here it is, your very first real and entirely verifiable email. <laughs> I know. She's, she's punching, isn't she? So she says, it's quite the milestone. Congratulations. In order to stop the rampant fake email speculation, I would like to reassure any other listeners that I did, in fact, send this email and that I will, <laughs> and that I will testify to that fact in court if necessary. Come on, Smokey, you can read your own words. Come on, hurry. Here, <laughs> uh, look, mate, mate, don't mess with Beatrice. Don't do it. Um, she says, also, excellent work on the podcast. Everyone is very handsome and funny, etc., etc. Um, I can't wait until you get a second listener and we can ask each other if we are Team Adam or Team Smokey. Oh, I can't wait for that day either. It's only you and Beatrice at the moment. I know, I know. Yeah, you don't even <laughs> listen. So uh, the, she, she concludes with kindest regards from your very, very best friend, Beatrice, founder and president of all the best bands, a Smokey Appreciation Society. Hey. P.S. Hashtag Team Smokey. Obviously. So you've got Beatrice. <laughs> And I've got Anne Rogers. I do. Nice. You do. Um, however, this is going to go two to one in a minute, though. Is it? <laughs> well, yeah, because we have another email. <laughs> Come on, guys. Everyone, throw three coins in now. Who's it going to be? Team Smokey or Team Adam? Well, I, I, I think I just gave it away, but yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you, Beatrice, though. We really do appreciate that. Thank you, Beatrice. Yes. O honestly, Smokey, thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Oh, okay. How dare you? Okay, <laughs> right. Are you ready for this one? Are you ready to start cringing? Okay, go on. Let's do it. Okay, 
this is an email from listener Victoria. Hello, Victoria. Um, Hi, Victoria. Yeah. And she says, hello. Hello. I am very... (laughs) Hello, yeah. (laughs) She says, I am very happy to finally be writing to you both. Uh, It is not that I didn't want to before, but rather that I have not found the time nor the proper words. I don't believe I've I don't believe I have found all the things I want to say, but since it won't ever be perfect, I suppose my flawed email is better than none at all. Yeah, I guess so. Um both of you both of you have brought great joy into my life. It has been a very enjoyable ride thus far. The more I listen It's hanging on a knife edge, folks. Is it? The more I listen, the more I get to know about movies, but also about you two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The more I get to know you, the more I like you. This sounds like a song, actually. It does. Which and song is it's it? like the Carpenters could do it, couldn't they? Um, my gift is my email. <laughs> and this one's for you. Sorry, Smokey, go on. It's all right, mate. you got to read. Um, but it, uh, she continues, I have to say I am keen on one of you in particular. Oh. Uh-huh. People are throwing coins in right now. <laughs> I know. Okay, here we go. Smokey. That's me. I really enjoy your banter and all of your comments. I do think there is more to you than what meets the ear. If I am being honest at times, it feels as if you were guarding what you say, as if you weren't being your complete self. Eh, We'll come back to that. Um, (laughs) Due to that, it is my belief that it is harder as a listener to connect with you. Ah, okay. Um, You have a fabulous laugh. Every time you laugh, I have also laughed. It's very contagious. Come on, give us some of that candy. Here we go. You also strike me as stubborn at times, or I guess I could say steadfast. Once your mind is made up, there is no swaying you either way. That's such a kind way of talking to you. Smokey, go on. That's all right. Give, give, um, give Victoria some of that candy. Go on. Oh, trust me. Go on. It's it's coming, sir. Um, but but <laughs> but beneath it all, I think you have a heart of gold, which has been hurt one too many times. Well, um, this makes you guard it fiercely, but it makes me wonder if you also feel like maybe something is lacking in you. F- me. So you try to make it up with attitude and impenetrable walls you have so cleverly put up. <laughs> Just remember, walls keep stuff out, but they also don't let anything in, all whilst disrupting the view. My father used to say that whenever I retrieved inward. You need windows, Smokey. That's what you need. You need windows. You need sash windows in your wall. But I also didn't know. (laughs) Ten years ago, mate, when I decided, yeah, look, do you know what? When I want to talk about films with my mates online, I'm going to get psychoanalyzed. (laughs) I mean, as harsh as it is, it's kind of... It's very penetrating, isn't it, this inside? It's, it's, oh, trust me, I feel penetrated, all right, yeah. yeah. Not in a good way, but there you go. Right, are you ready for this, my friend? Go on. Okay, here we go. Adam, Mm -hmm. I am in love with you. Ooh. Your entire persona has me tuning into every podcast, book, interview, etc. that I can find. Once I have a better financial picture, you will be the first subscription I do. <laughs> you romantic bastard, Victoria. You're talking about money before you actually do what you want to do and love. Wow. It's Anne Rogers all over again. Street. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I know, I know. Come back, Anne. All is forgiven. Um, while it is true you are a well of knowledge, 
It is how you convey said knowledge that amazes me over and over and over again. I never tire of you. Adam looks like he wants to rip his eyes out at the moment. Okay, I'll just keep going. I am sure you get complimented on your voice quite... Uh, complimented? Did I say that right? Sorry. I am sure you get complimented on your voice quite often. So you should. It's a magnificent one. It's timbre, it's tone and colour are all delightful to listen to. It is the man behind the voice which makes my knees go weak, my my heart skip a beat, and my imagination run wild with desire. (laughs) Often we listen to radio or TV hosts, actors or singers, and are left wondering what they are truly like. With you, Adam, it feels as if I know you. You form an instant bond with your listeners. And that is a gift which you have in spades. Smuggy, I can't tell whether it's the words or the way you're delivering them that's, you know, know making the blood rush to my nether regions. I know, I know. I can see it from here, my word. I wonder what that tapping was, and it's on the desk, isn't it? You just feel the camera just like sliding backwards where the desk is rising into the air. I wonder why the camera was wobbling up and down, but yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We're not done. You ready? Dear okay. me. Go on. I don't care if you're ready. I'm still going. Your writing is otherworldly. You leave clues about yourself. Well, there you go. You leave clues about yourself in each phrase. And so I believe I know you. I know your heart. And what a heart. What a privilege it must be to know you. Even more so to be friends with you. Uh, she's right. She oh, is right. There. Thank you. Uh, I can only... That's mm, all right. I can only... Oh, got two at once me. there. Jesus. I know. <laughs> yeah. I can only... Hang on. I can only imagine the ecstasy it would be to be with you. I know I must I know I must be amongst the many women who have irrevocably fallen in love with you. How does it feel to know that there is a heap of women, young, old, married, single, and ready to mingle, pining for you? Have you ever realized how incredibly sexy you truly are? <laughs> yes, Adam Roach, you are one sexy, sexy man. I needn't go into details, but suffice to say, your every whim and desire would be my pleasure to meet. For God's sake! (laughs) (laughs) A heap of women! Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heap. Heap of women. I've never heard it described like that, by the way. Heap of women. It's just a heap of women. I I could, could like, you know, a colossal pile-on of women. That would be interesting. Good grief. Well, thank you very much. We're not done. Oh. We're not done, mate. Hang on. Uh, Victoria continues. You might wonder why I sent this email here and not to your other accounts. Truth be told, I am hoping you will read it out loud. I will delight in your responses, which otherwise I would be deprived of. See, she knows we're (laughs) we're whores for this kind of attention. So um, yeah, I'm really enjoying. She obviously, yeah, she obviously does listen. Um, So she says, um, I want fucking hell. I want you to know (laughs) the. Wow, Victoria. I want you to know that you are attractive beyond measure. If I ever get married, you will be on my list. You know, the list. The one where you are allowed to shag five to ten people. Five to ten? Is that true? I thought it was always five. Five to ten people outside the marriage, yet the significant other cannot get mad with you if you sleep with a person from the list. Whew. Adam, thank you for igniting my thoughts in more ways than one. And I love this, right? This is the biggest kicking the balls compliment that I've ever received. So she's just said that. Adam, thank you for igniting my thoughts in more ways than one. And then she goes, thank you, Smokey, for making this podcast. (laughs) 
I think that's the nicest compliment of all of them. I mean, that's fucking brilliant. I, I have been in pubs in that situation when I've been with a mate who's better looking and he's copped off and they've sort of gone, oh, it's nice to meet you. And it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I've had that all my entire fucking life. I, I, trust me. Sorry, I need to start swearing. Um, anyway, uh, and then she goes back. She's not done. Adam. Come on. Words can, I know. Adam, words cannot convey my gratitude. Your work has been a beacon of hope, a constant reminder that there are fabulous humans in the world. I hope one day we meet, and I apologise in advance, for I might passionately kiss you without warning. Y- yours, V. Wow, I can't get over the, the image of a heap of women. I know, I'm liking that too. It's lovely, isn't it? It's like a heap. Mm. Heap. It's just like a big old pile of discarded women. Yeah. Who are just... Discarded yeah. women? Why do they have to be well, discarded? I don't know. It's just a, it's, it's a, the word heap. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's, like, an, it's an odd it's, choice of words, isn't it? Yeah. Thank you, V. Uh, yeah. Thank, That's thank what I'll call you yeah. from now on. It's very it's very sweet of you. Um, I don't take compliments very well. No, so he doesn't. To hear, hear a string of them like that, especially from the mouth of Smokey, mm-hmm. who's looking me in the eye. While <laughs> I did wink at you a few times He just times winked as well. As well. <laughs> <laughs> he blew smoke out of his nose and winked at the same time. It's very sweet I of you. Did. Um, I was, I was, I was going for Kathleen Turner in Body Heat. Did that come across? He did. Yeah, you were totally we Linda Fiorentino and Jade, The Last Seduction. Oh, what? Oh, I love that movie. It was, it was great to see. But I think out of that whole email, let's focus on one thing. All right. Okay, mate. You're, you're steadfast. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> this is where I have a little problem with Victoria's lovely email. Is that if if I am you know sort of set in my ways or steadfast, would I really create? Bearing in mind this was this podcast was my idea, would I really recre- create a podcast that is built for me learning new things? You expecting a response from me on this? Yep. Okay. Um... I think you're quite open-minded. I thought so too. I think um, I, I do think you choose um, some strange hills to die on, but then I think everyone does. Yeah. Um, I think I think perhaps though, uh, Victoria has latched onto a few of those hills, or should we say heaps? Oh, heaps. Yes, he- <laughs> heaps is the word of the day. Yeah. Well, I tell you what though. I mean, she's right. I have had my heart broken several times, and that's fine. And I do guard it. And I mean, that's only natural. That's only human, you know, endeavour. That's human experience, and so that's fine. You know, I'm nearly forty, and so I, I think I've had enough time on this planet to know when to open up and when to shut down, and that's that's fine. You know, I'm quite happy. I do. So you know. Tell you what, ladies, if none of you are gonna have Smokey, then I bloody well will. Too fucking right. He's a hunk of burning love. And um, tell you what, Smokey, there's a whole heap of love for you. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Roach, my my uh, own personal heap of love. Yep, I'm your absolute heap. <laughs> but there we go. It's like heap is a word you use to describe a car that has done seven hundred thousand miles and which is now on sale for fifteen pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I always it always makes me think of when you look at um like TripAdvisor of of like uh, dodgy reviews of like cafes or something. It's like, well, they gave me a heap of food. They gave me a heap and of it, chips. Yeah, <laughs> there's no yeah, sexy so- use of the word heap 
is there? Um, unless unless you're lying in a sweaty heap after the, the act of love. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's the is entirely possible. There's the British actor Mark Heap. He's he's quite fetching. <laughs> So yeah, really? he was in uh, uh, Space, and he's in uh, like Friday Night Dinner and uh, Big Train. He's yeah, he's very well known. What in 1983 when those programs were made? No, and uh, Upstart Crow, he's in that as well. But um, but hey, no, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Never mind. But okay, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you look so confused. <laughs> I know Uriah Heap from I think it's Dickens. There we go. They were 70s, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> 17 70s <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't know mate born in the 80s ooh ooh <laughs> someone's feeling steadfast <laughs> <laughs> I am a heap of steadfastness <laughs> thank you very much for your um, email Victoria I yes. feel like I, I should have talked about it <laughs> more but thank you very much this is very kind well um, thank you to everyone and thank you. Um, Smokey has taken all your feedback. We'll yeah. act on it. I will. I'm going to act on your email in an entirely different way. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till our next gin kicks in properly. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about a film. Should we do that? Okay. Okay, so uh, you may remember listeners, because it was so long ago, and we are actually here to talk about films, believe it or not. Um, we, uh, I gave Adam, I, I wanted, a, I wanted a thriller again. I was, I was right in the mood for that, and uh, Adam being, well, Adam, and uh, he, he picked a, a Hitchcock movie <laughs> again, <laughs> even though we just done one. <laughs> I've got to try and get foreign correspondent in there at some point. We'll get there eventually, and, uh, right? Yeah, I know. It's it's, it's kind of like I was like, oh yes, I can finally get foreign correspondent in that. And then I went away and thought about it afterwards. Thought, no, no, actually, I need to get Night of the Hunter in for this one. Mm. I just need to diversify. Yeah, uh, the name of the game. But I mean, you know, we we haven't deviated too much. We've we've gone um, uh, back into Mitchum country, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and gone for 1955's uh, Night of the Hunter. And what a treat it is! So, what? Why did you pick this one for me, my friend? Well. You say thriller. We've done thrillers before. We've done um, The Man Who Knew Too Much. And this is a very different type of thriller. This is Obsession as well. Well, we have, yeah. Obsession, which was a classic. That's like pff, top five movie for me. Anyway, I digress. I love that movie. Um, Night of the Hunter for me is a peculiar blend of not just thriller, but horror, almost fantasy, and... One of the most remarkable films ever made, especially considering that its director and overseer was an actor himself who strayed once and once only into the director's chair and created a true marvel. So it seemed only fitting that we um, make light of Mr. Charles Lawton and his achievement in uh, cinematic storytelling with this beautiful thriller fairy tale it's uh it's a very very unique movie and i'm so glad we get to talk about it today yeah i mean obviously i did uh a little bit of research while i was watching it and um and it it, it it's very bizarre when you read people's reviews online um because it especially with this film more so than any other that i think we've reviewed and the um Differing opinions of way people view this film. It's it's there's a massive chasm between. 
You know, some people view it as a straight art film, as as what you just described as a you know a straight thrill, thriller slash horror with some odd elements in there. I think of all the films we've watched, I think probably this is the most in, open to interpretation um, of all of them. And and I don't mean that in a bad way. That's not in a negative way. Um, I just think it, it's one of those where every audience member will, yeah, will definitely come to their own conclusion on what genre it fits in, um, whether they like it or not because of their own sensibilities of what they like to watch and don't like to watch. Because um, obviously... It's no secret, I'm not a big fan of children in films because they're normally shit. And they're ropey in this, but it fits the film. So, you know, John and Pearl, you know, they're, they're good. I mean, they, they do the job. It's fine. It's it's serviceable, but I wouldn't give either of them an Oscar. Well, it's not... They're not they're, um, it, I think more this more than any other film... Uh... The kids in it aren't supposed to be actor types. They're just supposed to be kids. And they kind of do the job. Um, that said, they do play archetypes. They don't play fully-fledged personalities who have some kind of future that you're supposed to wonder about. They no, play no. children in 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 distress. They play Hansel and Gretel, basically. Um, Precisely, yeah. Which is a very clever... Uh, it's a very clever storytelling choice for this film it's a very unique movie i remember seeing the title of this movie and um back in the day when i was very young and, and mm-hmm. seeing it on lots of top 10 lists and seeing the name knight of the hunter there's knight of the iguana there's knight of the living dead there's night you know yeah. there's lots of knight of those in cinema knight of the demon exactly knight of the demon exactly yeah um and i think i think a te- there is a tendency i think to kind of you know, assume that because it, this film <laughs> it's a very strange comment to make to open up with but I must get out of the way the night of the okay. dot 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 there is a tendency to think that this film is kind of a generic whatever the last word is so um sure night of the hunter I always always assumed was some kind of just generic threat there's always a picture of Robert Mitchum on the cover with his fist showing mm-hmm. you know love hate whatever yeah um and I just thought well it just looks very disposable. Oh, I could do without it. It's mm. not a problem. I'll catch it one day kind of thing. And then I remember yeah. seeing it when I was about 25, and I'm, I, I won't um, try and dress this up any. I was very, very drunk, and I watched this I watched this film very late at night, and I was completely befuddled by it. It was absolutely yeah. mind-bending, and I couldn't believe it because... In a, in a good way or in a, a bad in a, way? In, in, a, in a very, uh, should we say, psychedelic way. I woke up the next oh, okay. day and couldn't tell whether what I'd seen was a film or a dream. And mm. I, I had to rewatch it. I can see that. Yeah, and I had to rewatch yeah. it. And I remember watching it sober and thinking, this is actually even more mind-bending when you're sober. It's such a unique yeah, yeah. film. I think, I think before mm-hmm. we get too far into it, I have to say... I think it's a masterpiece. Okay. Uh, not just the American cinema, but cinema in general, I think. My mm-hmm. God. Imagine Your... the career Charles Lawton could have had as a, yeah. as a cinematic storyteller if he'd done more. I was yeah. so intrigued. 
You're seriously not alone. Um, there's a lot of people out there who consider this a, a 10 out of 10 masterpiece. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I will agree with the fact that it does need to be known more. It needs to have a better reputation than it does for, for people who aren't into old Hollywood or, you know, golden age cinema. It, it needs to have a better, it, it needs to be more well known. Let's just stick with that. Um, because I, I knew, bits and pieces about it but it's actually really funny you mentioned that uh, what you just did a moment ago which is that so 55 so what's that almost 70 odd years later and the marketing for it is still Mm, it's terrible you know look at the poster the original poster is just appalling yeah it's awful awful. and and even the the sort of bog standard DVD you can get for it because I looked about Mm. buying it and the bog standard DVD cover Mm does not make me want to watch it in the slightest. I'll tell you, I, I don't mean to jump ahead, but um, no, no. if, like, the original <clears throat> theatrical release poster has a picture of Mitchum stood there in his waistcoat and Shelley Winters hanging on his arm. Um, yeah. It basically looks like some kind of gothic melodrama, like Dragonwick or something like that. And it would definitely make me, if I was at the time seeing that poster and wondering where to put my dime for the night, um... I would, you know, thinking, oh, I want something fun. I don't want to. I don't want a melodrama. I want something, no. you know, creative. Um, and since then, it's. I still don't think it's been marketed very well. But imagine, if you will, a Criterion. I actually don't know what the Criterion box is. If there has been one, I'm sure there has. Oh, sorry. Imagine a Criterion Blu-ray cover, mm-hmm. completely black. At the bottom, you have the name, the Knight of the Hunter. Yep. And halfway up whole black this thing you have a picture of the moon mm-hmm. and a silhouette of Mitchum on his horse mm-hmm. <clears throat> against the moon and at either side you have the moonlit faces of two children watching him in fear sure <clears throat> wouldn't that better portray the kind of thing this is going for? absolutely yeah and you're gonna hate this but Kevin Smith did something very similar for his film Tusk so <laughs> who <laughs> just putting that out there um <laughs> No, I yeah, look, I completely agree. I mean, but it, it, how how is it even possible? I mean, you go on IMDb now, and its rating is incredibly high. It's only just out out of the IMDb top two hundred and fifty, right? It's what, only what's, just what's it out. What, what kind um, of it was on? Uh, so it's on an eight point zero, <laughs> which on IMDb is massively high. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And so yeah, and so it is literally just missing out on the top two hundred and fifty, but. Seriously, after all this time, how is it not better known mm. when it's that high up in a rating? Right? Mm. That's I think that I think that's sacrilege. I think cinephiles know know about this film. Yeah, but I, see, I, this is the problem, right? This is the problem. Never caught the public consciousness. So yeah, I do agree. This is where the the mind of the bad boy of Golden Age Hollywood comes in. Thank you, Zach. Um, um, don't give me that look. And so it's, but it's just it's my steadfast look <laughs> under a heap of women. Um, but it's it. This should be better known in the same breath as something like, um, I don't know. I mean, it should be up there with with Casablanca and, and God with the Wind and uh, the things that for people like me or how I used to be, which is that if you mention a golden age cinema film, this should be one that instantly comes to mind. It should. And it's a damn shame that it doesn't. Well, you say that because <clears throat> I think this came, it's, it's the tail end of the golden age, so 55, 
We're talking about that period where, you know, it went from being safe to dangerous sure. in cinema. So, um, but I think, you know, um, if you look at the United States National Film Registry in 1992, considers it now as one of the greatest films of all time. Cahier du Cinema, which was, you know, the critics' go-to mm-hmm. yeah. publication, they rate they rated it as the second best film of all time Whoa. behind Citizen Kane. I mean, Whoa. you know, it is it is very well regarded and always has been among cinephiles. The problem is that it's never really bled through to wow. um, to populist entertainment like Gone with the Wind, what? like Casablanca. What? But I think why do you think that is? I think that's because the film is kind of nasty. In a way, yeah, well, it's a yes. very hard film to categorize. I mean, you could mm-hmm. easily call this film a horror movie. You could easily, you could, you could. I mean, I mean, yeah. think about Shelley Winters at the bottom of the lake. Think about, yeah, yeah. you know, the big bad wolf scenes at the end. Think about mm-hmm. when he's chasing the kids across the landscape. There are definite horror horror elements to this movie. Mm-hmm. So there people, is. people do think of this movie as a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I would say it's more of a thriller. <laughs> Me too. But I would say it's a very peculiar undefinable kind of thriller it's a very very peculiar definitely a very unique movie mm. in 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 every sense of the word it's it's just absolutely you watch it and you it's like it's like it, it was born in your dreams it does, it doesn't feel like someone wrote this thing and designed it to be this Mm-hmm. Out there, yeah, it's like they 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 they, they stepped into in stepped into another level of consciousness and went, we're going to draw this because this is this is what makes people scared. This is this this image will make people fearful. Yeah. This is a very beautiful pastiche to put it in. It's it's an absolutely unique, beautiful wonder of um, a, a film. It's a beautiful piece of cinema. I, I absolutely adore it. I, I can't disagree, and and I will add to that in sort of saying that I came away um, from it. Um, as I said, I've mentioned to you off air that um, we, um, sorry, I watched it for the second time this morning, and I I categorized it in in a way that I've never categorized the film before, which was um, a thriller uh, melodrama. Mm. Which I don't think I've ever done before because there is oh come on you've got to admit there's so many melodramatic moments in it. I tell you what, let's do the plot and then we'll get into the film. How's that? So the very basic plot of the Knight of the Hunter, and I will go basic on this because mm-hmm. I don't think you really need to go into too much detail. No, is basically about um, a reverend who is also a criminal he's in prison with a guy uh in a, in the same cell and the guy tells him that he's pulled off a robbery and that he has a load of ten thousand dollars is it that's right yeah yeah ten thousand dollars hidden somewhere somewhere around where his family is yeah that's all that this guy knows harry powell his name yeah. is he's a crooked preacher mm-hmm. so when he's released from prison uh, the, sorry, the, the guy that he's in the cell with dies. Uh, and when he's released from prison, he <laughs> goes to find the family. He's executed. <laughs> he's executed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I was being sensitive. He, he passes away by um, being hanged. <laughs> <laughs> in his sleep. Uh, yeah. Um, he um, serves his sentence and gets out and goes to the family, insidiously invites himself into the family, mm-hmm. which comprises of a mother, Shelley Winters, yeah. and her two small children. Mm-hmm. And he uh, basically works his way into the family, marries the mother, 
and tries to determine where this $10,000 is hidden. Um, when it turns out that the children know something about where the money is, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know whether to spoil this or not. This is um, no well. Decision. Well, I mean, it happens quite early in the film. Should we say? Yeah, he, I, mean, I, 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 th I think we can spoil it. It's, it's from fifty-five, and we've yeah. spoiled every other film we've done, so I think we're safe. Okay, so um, Powell murders the mother. He murders Shelley Winters, and um, basically takes over control of the two children. Then discovers that the money has been hidden inside the little girl's doll all along. Mm -hmm. When he finds this out, the little girl and the little boy go on the run across mm -hmm. the Southlands of America. Yep. And Powell pursues them. Mm -hmm. um, the whole thing culminates in uh, Powell tracking the children down to Homestead, which is owned by Rachel Cooper, who uh, played mm -hmm. by Lillian Gish. And yeah. she seems to be this kind of um, mother hen figure to a lot of yeah. lost, strayed children. She takes mm -hmm. in these two children and um, she protects them from Powell, who sort of... It's very Grimm's fairy tale, isn't it? The way he yeah. kind of comes to the door. Hey, it's me. I've come mm -hmm. for the children. I've come for the children. And she drives him away. The next night he's back. I've come for the children. I've come... It's really <laughs> fucking creepy. Just even talking. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Um, it is. Uh, uh, by yeah. the way, but the, the moment where just just flash forward towards the end a little bit, where, the mm. moment where Shelley went, <laughs> no, not Shelley went, it's um, Lillian um, uh, and Gish picks up the the shotgun to blow him away. It was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you go, girl. <laughs> Basically, this whole film is like some warped folk tale. It's mm. like a, it's like a, it's like if you took a Hans Christian Anderson fairy tale. You know, mixed it with a Grimm's fairy tale, and then put mm -hmm. it through, you know, a, a, an Americana thresher. You know, it's yeah. it's very um, it's very much a deep south kind of okay. really creepy fairy tale folk tale kind of story. Yeah, yeah. Um, the great thing is that um, Charles Lawton, <clears throat> who was you know most famous for being this incredibly talented, you know, one of the most talented actors of all time, um, also one of the most incredible like. Uh, raconteurs of all time. He used, to, yeah. he used to basically do these live shows where he would just turn up to a, city, uh, a town hall and just read from the Bible. And people who weren't even religious would just watch him and just like, what? And they couldn't how? You know, comprehend. Yeah. How is he doing that? Yeah. yeah. It's like he, he could just take a story and bring it to life with just his voice. He decided to direct this film. Um, it was a great fight to do so. Uh, it finally... <laughs> you hired Mitchum, who was probably the hottest actor in the world at the time, um, and just created this undeniably unique. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm finding it hard to describe. I'm sure you can come up with some adjectives yourself. You're, but, you're, you're tapping, you're tapping the desk again, mate. I can hear I'm sorry, it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it. It's like when I'm lost for words, I just you know. But but this is one of those films that you love really it. do have to see to to kind of believe because you just won't believe the, the imagery that it's so potent. It's just a wonderful, wonderful Look, film. See, anyway. mate, the, the, this <laughs> is why I love doing this, this podcast. I really do is because I, I get to learn these things myself, but I also get to see you 
unscripted and just and just no bullshit no 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 you just you just let it fly and i and i it's it's whenever someone is passionate about something it's beautiful to see i absolutely love it um the two things sprang to mind when i was watching this because i i hadn't seen it before this week and um two uh sorry pieces of uh, pop culture, I suppose you could call it. Uh, one was, a, I don't know if you've seen it, it's a show uh, called Sneaky Pete. Um, it was an Amazon show with Giovanni Ribisi. And he and he plays a, a con man who's in prison and he learns all about his cellmate's family and he leaves prison and goes and ingratiates himself into that family. And it was, I was watching this going, well, okay, that's where they got this from. Um, but then the pursuit of, of Mitchum chasing the kids and he's, all in black, you know, because of the silhouette and he's chasing the kids. It was uh, Westworld, the the original the original mm. Westworld. It was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, that's where Westworld yeah, got that from. Man. And it was like, oh, this mm. is cool. Yeah, and he even has a he even has the well, not a cowboy hat, but a very big hat. And so it was just all like, okay, that's where Yul Brynner got that from. Easy. Um, and so they were just the first two things that came to mind. Um, so. I remember us talking, uh, bizarrely, again, about Mission Film, when we talked about um, Out of the Past. Mm. And I remember telling you when we recorded that um, I'd been watching, I think, for about an hour before I looked at either the time or how long I'd been watching and gone, holy crap, where's that time gone? It just Mm. flew past. And it's exactly the same with this film, right? It does not mess around. So Mm. the kids are playing... The father reappears. He has money to hide. He gets arrested. He gets killed. Robert Mitchum escapes, and he comes to meet the family. And it was like, just, ah! It was, it was like, it was just beat after beat after beat, and it was fantastic, and I loved it. Oh, and by the way, let's not forget the punch that the dad levels on uh, on Mitchum right at the very beginning mm. of the film. Yeah, loved yeah, yeah. it, loved it. He sends him flying off a bunk bed. That was awesome. Mm. Yeah. Let's just uh, mention that it's a uh, Peter, Peter Graves, isn't it, who plays the dad? Yeah, he played the um, he played uh, the pilot in the uh, airplane. Exactly, yeah, and uh, he's a Mission Impossible. So. Well, yeah, but it's but it's the line of um, was it uh, was it what's the lad's name? Like, it was in a grown man naked. Yeah, but it's to me. Uh, do you like uh, prison movies? And he's in a prison movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very well spotted. Yeah, and I was just yeah, I was loving that. Um, Right, okay, let, let's just go down to the basics. So, Mitchum is terrifying. Isn't he cold-blooded, just absolutely the stuff of nightmares in this Yeah, film? I think it was our, our mutual friend Bonnie who emailed into us a little after the Out of the Past um, episode who said that she finds Mitchum terrifying. And I don't blame mm. her. I don't blame her. Mm, it's because of this film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Cape Fear as well, I'm guessing. I mean, think about Mitchum for a minute, right? He was very, okay. very, uh, <clears throat> you know, came to prominence in the 40s, did lots of noir, and then all of a sudden, in the 50s, just became this counterculture icon. Because he got arrested for, like, you know, drugs and stuff, he did lots of pot. Oh, really? Yeah, he was he was like you know, almost the symbol to the kids, you know. Here's a Hollywood okay. star who just does not give a f- 
right? <laughs> if you, if, you know, I, I will smoke pot on the street. I'll get arrested, and then I'll be out the next day, and I'll be making a movie, and that movie will make twenty million. It's like you know, you know, it, it just nice. he was kind of like you know, whatever, guys, just do what you want, just be happy, and that's the reason why he was so was fucking it, cool. Was it, uh, we we want to be free. We want to be free to do what we want to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do what we want. But he didn't need to say it. He just sort of looked at the camera and just sort of raised an eyebrow, and they all knew what yeah. he meant. You know, and um, he was just very, very iconic mm. to a disaffected youth who were so used to people like, I'm, and, you know, I'm, I'm not saying these people are bad, by the way. No, no. People no. like Gable. Yeah. You know, people like, you know, um, Cary Grant. Errol Flynn. Who, are, who represented, <laughs> the, you know, the, 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 you know, what a Hollywood male was supposed to be. Sure. Then Mitchin came along and he was that handsome. Mm. He was that unusual looking. Yeah. But he was also really dangerous oh yeah and people really latched onto that yeah. there's an episode of what's my line actually where um he comes on as the mystery guest okay and of every single episode of what's my line i've never seen a crowd go as mental as they do when they see robert mitchin come on wow. and he writes his name on the board and sits down and the and the, and the panel have to guess who he is for sure. you know they've got blindfolds on yeah but they're cheering for so long that i think the panel even knew it must be robert mitchin because no wow. one else is this this fucking adored. <laughs> it's so clear. Awesome. But think about his career. He did noir. Yep. He did a Cape Fear, which mm. is a terrifying film. Yeah. He did this terrifying film. Then mm. he went into comedy. Yeah. He would like do the grass is greener with Cary Grant and, and Deborah Carr. He went and did, you know, um, angel face, which yeah. is where he played this like, you know, hapless guy who was drawn into this noir plot. He could do anything and out of the past. I mean, it's the greatest noir ever made. I mean, Robert Mitchum yeah, it's one of them. is people. People <laughs> seem to assume he's part of like the modern era because he yeah. wasn't there in the thirties. Okay. He wasn't there in the twenties, kind of thing. But my God, so that guy! If is I just if I had to put you genius. on the spot, mate. So, um, which is your favourite hero, Mitchum or villain, Mitchum? Oh God, I have to say villain, Mitchum. Because, yeah, because he <laughs> because, does it so uh, well. Because, but well, the thing is as well. I mean, you can't really tell if he's a villain or a hero. <laughs> <laughs> he's genius. I mean, I, the more, I, I must admit, he was never really like in my top ten at all. But the more I see of him, the more I think, mm. wow, what a what a what a star! <laughs> my God, and the fact that he isn't traditionally handsome. You know, he's he's kind of he's kind of rough looking and he has this yeah, crazy oh yeah. crazy profile. If he turns his head to the side you go, Whoa. It's like it's, it's like someone carved the caricature of a human being. But well, um, we, we we briefly went through it um in the out of the past episode and we were sort of saying it, 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 it he is Liam Neeson twenty years ago. Yeah. He, yeah. He really is. I I can't stop seeing it now. You know, I, yeah. I really can just see Liam Neeson. He's like Liam Neeson, got, but without the embarrassing third act career. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, until he went racist. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. I am the commuter. I am the, <laughs> the informer. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I am the taken. No, that doesn't work. Anyway, so, um, but Shelley Winters. Shelley Winters, yeah. Brilliant. She's, she was brilliant. There's not a wrong foot in this film. I mean, even even the child performances, while they aren't particularly uh, convincing, shall we say, in terms of you uh-huh. know children in terror. I mean, but they're not kind. It, it's it's like you have to see this film to understand it. It's like we can we can tell yeah. you about performances working or not, but 
they aren't... I mean, even Mitchum in this film. You know the bit where uh, Lillian Gish pulls up her gun and he's been hiding in the kitchen? And yeah. he leaps up like this. Like, I'm going to do it for Smokey. You won't be able to see this. But he leaps up and goes... <laughs> he goes like that uh, yeah. into the light and then runs away and howls uh-huh. like a dog. Mm. It's yeah. like almost like Charles Lawton said, this isn't um, supposed to be convincing. You're not supposed to be playing people. You're playing... No archetypes from fiction you're playing the big bad wolf because mitchum is the big bad wolf in this film of course yeah yeah yeah. he's as terrifying as that archetype when you're listening to the three little pigs and you're a child when you're a toddler Mm. and your parents are doing it and they're doing all you know and then he came along and puff and i'll puff and i'll blow your house down when you're a toddler that is fucking terrifying and somehow lawton manages to tap into that sensibility with this film. It's genius. Do you know what was great about that bit? Specifically that scene that you were talking about, Mm. when he does get shot, he isn't... I mean, obviously we're flash-forwarding, you know, 30, 40 years. Um, He isn't Michael Myers. He isn't Jason. He he is a character, a real man Mm. in a horror film who has been shot and reacts accordingly in the... It's really gonna friggin' hurt, and I'm gonna run away. Um, the only bit that annoyed me about that was the ADR because they just kept looping his scream over and over again, and it sounded exactly <laughs> the same. That that bugged me slightly, but I'll let that go. That's an, but yeah, that was that was beautiful. That's an incredible character, isn't it? I mean, he's a preacher. Yeah. Which uh, he, all he has to do is walk. Is in, he? Or, well, you know, he says he is. All he has to do though yeah. is walk into a town, and people go come sit with us break bread with us you know well, you're welcome in our home that part of america wasn't it exactly so, i mean that, that yeah. obviously that's part of his con kind of thing mm-hmm. but um to have a preacher that is a big bad wolf it's the ultimate yeah. sheep in uh, sheep in wolf clothing it's it's a, it's a but incredible. but then it's also i mean that that's perfect i mean this leads up to um uh to right at the end of the film and um uh, the character um, uh, Mrs. Spoon, uh, who runs the ice, the ice cream parlor, you know she's devoutly religious. She embraces the preacher wholeheartedly, and he can do no wrong in uh, in her eyes. But one, well, I was about to say little transgression, but one transge- transgression towards the end of the film, and she's burn him, burn him, and it's like, yeah. wow. I mean, forgive me to our. American listeners, and we do have many, but that to me is a pure picture of right-wing religious middle America. And it was just sort of like your your opinion and beliefs will get turned on a, on a head right there and there because you've suddenly gone, oh, he's not godly, he's not righteous, he's not pure as the virgin snow. And... And I and I love that. I really do. I mean, anything that pisses off religious people, I'm really happy with anyway. So I was just quite enjoying that moment. Um, the bit I I wrote, I've got. We've got to talk about this because I found that the, the okay. So there's murder in this. There's there's also a little hint towards pedophilia towards the end. We may get onto that in just a little moment. Um, uh, there's reprehensible shit going on, right? But the bit I found most disturbing is when the preacher and the mum have got married and she is kind of preparing herself for their honeymoon night. Yeah. Oh, God, this is awful, this part. Isn't it? 
I mean, I was watching this with... Just de- so debasing and humiliating. I, I was watching it with my hands over my eyes and just going, they can't, they can't do this. And they did do it. And it was sort of like, all right, fair play to you. You have actually gone there. And not to put too fine a point on it, he, for some reason, don't really know why, he doesn't want to consummate the marriage there and then. He is blaming it on religion. However, I think there was an ulterior motive there. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it was just incredibly hard to watch. He, he made, well, for the benefit of the listeners who, who haven't seen this and may not mm. watch it, he does. Um, uh, he, 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 she offers herself to him. Let us say on their wedding night. It was the tease he does as well. You think he's extending his hand to her to pull her into bed, and he's not. He's gesticulating to close the window. Yeah. And that is that is the first gut punch. He basically says, oh, like, I'm, you know, I'm oh, not going to sleep with you. And yeah. but in, in a very cruel Well, no, he's going to sleep with her. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. But, 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 but makes her feel like shit. It's, it's, um, it's mental manipulation. It's gaslighting. It's, it's very hard to watch. Torture, when you, we're, we're not doing it justice, but um, it's a very well-written scene. It's incredibly... Yes. It's in, it's hard to describe. It's it's, it's um, the ultimate manipulation between you know. It's it's mental abuse basically. It's horror. It's horrible to watch. It, it really is. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, watch. it's really tricky. But it but it was perfectly done. Mm, yeah. And Shelley Shelley Winters nailed it. I mean, she I, she possibly is my standout performer of this. I mean, I love Mitchum. I do, and I think he's wonderful. But she just she was brilliant. Oh, Shelley Winters is incredible in this. And um, but Mitchum. Mitchum almost it's almost like saying he plays he plays such a villain he's such a character villain in this that it's it's almost like you say it's you can almost say well put Mitchum aside because he's playing an archetype mm-hmm. let's look at who's sure. acting you know um mm-hmm. Shelley Winters is is brilliant I mean I yeah. have to talk quickly about um the fact that she she's murdered probably a third of the way into the film yeah. Uh the imagery on her killing is uh, of her killing. I don't think that's ever left me since I saw that. Well, it's very religious as well. Yeah, I mean he he cuts her, th- her throat basically, ties her to the seat mm. of a car and pushes the car into a lake. And we then see a very clear image of her at the bottom of the lake and it's mm-hmm. yeah, like you say religious. It's almost like mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's almost like saintly, isn't it? She's she's tied to the car. Yeah. She has this huge yeah. gash across her throat. She's bleeding yeah. into the water, and her hair is kind of flowing around and flying up into the yeah, air. She, but but she looks. I mean, I mean, I'm sure this is what they were going for. But she looks finally at peace. Mm. She's had this traumatic stuff going on with her, and but she's there and she's wafting in the water and. She looks, she looks very pretty, but very ashen, and and it's just, it was, God, oh, absolutely. But also is the fact that um, the uh, the kid's uncle wasn't it who fa- who finds her, and he's so convinced that because he's a drunk that they're gonna be convinced that he's the one who killed her. Yeah. I mean, that was heartbreaking as well. I mean, he sees her and he's heartbroken, but he can't report it, mm. and I mean that was that was devastating as well. It's, it's, it's such a such a layered film, wasn't it? Basically, yeah. the, the the setup for this film is really hard to watch. Uh, when mm. he gets to the halfway mark, it then turns into this absolute like 
Like, you wouldn't believe it. It's like an expressionist fairy tale. If, mm. if you'd go back to the 20s and look at stuff like Caligari and Nosferatu and stuff, all of a sudden you're watching it being reborn into the 50s with 50s sensibilities. You have pastiche, you have, like, cameos, you have <laughs> the kids drifting down the river on a boat with this lullaby mm. playing... You know, and mm-hmm. just lit by the moonlight. And then they're hiding in the barn from this big bad wolf that's been chasing them mm. for weeks, months across this American, you know, um, countryside. And the the horror of when you see them trying to find sleep and solace in a barn and they're mm-hmm. looking at a moon on the hillside and you just hear his his song, you know, I can't yeah. remember what it is, bringing up the corn, whatever it is. And he yeah, just rides you. across the face of the moon and you just think, God, it's like, it's like, it's it's just a horror movie. It's, yeah, it's it's a masterpiece. <laughs> it is. However, go on. Okay. Well, I'm glad you brought it up, but the the moment the kids get in the boat, that's when it just grinds to a halt. Right. This is the problem I had with this. Right. So as I said, I hadn't looked at the time, and I was an hour in. And the reason I looked at the time was because I'd been sat there for three or four minutes and the kids were in a boat and nothing was happening. And I'm going, what's happened to this film? This this was hitting every beat, every 30 seconds, every 60 seconds. And it was brilliant. And then I'm like, what have you done? You've just slammed the brakes on a roller coaster. And it was like, I wasn't ready for that. I don't think that was needed at all. I mean, granted, you want to... You want to show the kids self-sustaining, fair enough. They've got Moxie, they've got guy, especially John, you know, he's looking after his sister, he's doing well, great, brilliant. But you can do that in half the time and not need that. Right, okay, what did you call it? Um, an expressionism thing, all right, okay. So I have a problem with expressionism. I have a problem with artistic flourishes because it, I just think it's unnecessary. And especially with a film like this, right? You have gone from a brutal murder to a sick romantic love story to another brutal murder to children being in peril. And it's all good and brutal and action and wonderful. And then it's, oh, let's just stay on a boat for six or seven minutes. And it's, why? Why do that? Why throw the brakes on like that? I don't understand. And I will never understand. So I agree it's a masterpiece, but it's not perfect, unfortunately, for me, personally. Interesting. I, don't get me wrong. I love this film. I love it. And my, and my, my rating will um, reflect that at the end. But there was no need. Like, right, so they, they find the old woman who's giving out potatoes. Great, that's good. We know how the kids sustain themselves. They see the tortoises and the rabbits and they go, well, look, we know how to eat them, but we don't know how to kill them and cook them and whatnot. And so it's like, okay, you can't do that. Great. We see a barn. We can sleep there tonight. Great, do that. That's two minutes, two minutes. But no, they just stay drifting down a boat. And I'm like, He's, he's behind you. He's behind you, kids. It's like pantomime. He's behind you. But they're just drifting down a river. And it was like, oh, come on. It was it, it was just a letdown for me. That was I was I was gutted when this bit happened. 
I really was. Well, the bit when they're tra- escaping towards Lily and Gish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's extraordinary that you've um, chosen that as a minor. That, uh, I, I really, I really cannot agree with you on that. That's, I really that's do fine. Think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I know we can't agree on everything, no. and I wouldn't expect us to. But um, honestly, for me, the most, like, one of the most memorable things about this film is, is the whole. I mean, the kids. They've yeah. suddenly. They're on their own and they're, yep. they're trying to get across the country. They don't know where they're going to eat, where yep. they're going to sleep, what they're going to do. And to say that the you know the ten minutes that they devote to that mm-hmm. to that journey out of the ninety two minutes of of the film, you know, it's such a small <laughs> yeah. part. Just to say that that's brought your enjoyment down is it's kind of puzzling for me. I must be honest. It's it's almost uh, like it's all right. No, no, no. I, I'm I'm not saying you're wrong to think it. I'm just saying it's like there you are. <laughs> no, no, no. So for me, the most startling imagery of that film comes mm-hmm. from that sequence. It's like the boat, you know, the top down see- sight of the boat floating down the river. The sight of them hiding in a barn while they see Mission go across the moon. You know, the the fact that they have to go begging for food. It, it's it's almost like. It's like that part for me solidifies it as a fairy tale more than any other part. I and and I am completely agreeing with you. Yes, it's perfect. It's beautiful. It works. But the the interstitials of them just drifting, mm. just get rid. Just get rid. You you could easily do that, and you would still have the beauty. You could still have them looking after themselves. You could still have all of that. But then I'm just sat there going, "Well, I'm just watching two kids sleeping in a boat, drifting." I wonder. I, d- I didn't need it. I wonder if um if I watch it again because I must admit I haven't watched it for a couple of months. But it's a film I know extraordinarily well. I've you seen do. it many many times. Yeah. But um, I wonder if perhaps if you give it a month or give it a year even, whether those mm. parts will disintegrate and disappear. Because p- films are, are strange. They come back to you in fragments. They don't, they, you, don't, you don't remember a film and relive its entire 92 minutes, do you? You remember sure. it in yeah. pieces. It snap, snap, snap. I remember Moon. I remember, yeah. you know, Gun. I remember Mitchum. Sure. I remember Neck being slashed. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember feeling bored in that part. And I wonder if it's something okay. that... Um, uh, it will come back to you maybe later when you think of the film. Where you think, oh, God, that was you know, a gothic fairy tale. I, w- <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't bored. I just thought it was unnecessary. That's all. Mm. Because of the the pace that the film had, you know, it wasn't wasting any time. And it and I was and I was seriously seriously loving it. And then I was just like, oh, well, what am I doing now? And and that was it. That was the mark of when I looked at the time. Um, and then and then unfortunately, I've got to admit, it happened once again as well. Um, which was, I mean, we talked about this before. I can't remember what film it was. I think it was Out of the Past, which was um, you loved the ending, and I wasn't a massive fan of it. Yeah. Because um, because it it felt like a test audience ending. The the ending of uh, Night of the Hunter is so saccharine sweet. They felt like my teeth wanted to fall out, you know? It really... Oh, come on, mate. I mean, it is the happiest ending out of all of happiest endings, you know? Come on, you've got to see that. You you know, the kids are all happy. Even Ruby, who apparently has possibly been abused. We need to come back to that at some point. Um, She, you know, everyone is happy. Christmas is saved. And even, you know... um, 
Miss Gish, who is a kind of a harder, hardened, bitter woman when you first meet her, softens completely. Because, by the way, John gives her a stolen apple. Happy Christmas. And so, and, and it was just sort of like, it was just sort of like, oh, this is the greatest gift that I could be given because it's what God wants me to have. And it was just like, oh, come on. That was, of, of this film, of, of what it has been leading up to, to end like that, I I was I was just a little disappointed with the end. Oh, interesting. I was I'm I'm not disappointed with the end. But then again, I think I look at this film. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm entitled to disagree. But um, of course you are. But I think um, I think this film, like I say, I watched it when I was not of sound mind. Uh, it struck me very much as kind of a dream. That was yesterday. Fairy tale of folktale. <laughs> um, a psychedelic kind of um, story, basically. And when I rewatched mm. it in the light of day, I was very struck by how much uh, it resonated with the fact that I was a very big fan of fairy tales and folktales when I was a very small child. Yeah. It strikes me, if you took down this story in in text and added it to a book of Russian folktales from, you know, the ninth century, I think it would work. Mm. I think it would work as a Grimm's fairy tale. I think it would work as a Hans Christian Hansen fairy tale. Sure. And they all had happy endings as well. And there's a reason why these things endure. And I, um, I'm i struck by Night of the Hunter. I think it's a, it's in, incredibly brave. I mean, you know, we're still in the tail end of the Golden Age, but you have a woman's throat being slashed. You have... Um, a, a couple on their wedding night with the woman being denied, not just denied, but humiliated. You have children being chased across the countryside. Yeah. And while there might be these artistic flourishes, you have to kind of give it a buy because you have, you know, the guy behind it all was um, Charles Lawton, who was an actor. He wasn't even a director. And he said, I'm going to put my toe into this pool one time only, you know, and he created this incredibly visual um, terrifying fairy tale thriller. It's a remarkably unique, mm. very American um, folk tale. Okay, I admire it more than I can put into words. That's fine. And um, <laughs> I, I do, I do, I do completely respect your your minuses on the film, but um, I don't, I don't agree with them because That's um, okay. I do think. I do think it's um it I think its strengths far outweigh its weaknesses. Oh here, look, no, I, I completely agree with that. Um this is a wonderful, wonderful film. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. I loved this. I loved watching it. I'm so glad that you changed your mind from Hitchcock to go to this. Because I don't get me wrong, I adore Hitchcock as well, but I just I wanted something new and I wanted something that I hadn't seen. And yeah, th- this is magnificent. I, right, my belly aching about those two minor points do not diminish from the fact that this is an exceptional piece of work, and and the the um, the sort of the kids singing and the the, the religious uh, tone of it, which which was very interesting. The cast is exceptional across the board. It really, really is. And uh, oh, the lighting, the shadows, holy crap! I, I've never seen a film well, apart from maybe a couple of Val Lutons, but where um, the the shadows play as much of a, an important part as the light does. Absolutely wonderful. I mean that scene, that scene where the mum dies. I mean, holy crap! The light shining on her when she died. I mean, that was that was incredible. The, the bit, 
Yeah, you bring that up. The the bit where they're, you know, husband and wife in the bedroom, mm. and they're in this huge, like, barn structure. Like, you're seeing it now yep. on the screen. But yep. they're two tiny figures at the bottom of this thing, and it's yeah, yeah. The, the way that's lit up from from the bottom. It's, it's so creepy and so gothic and yeah. so traditional. It's, oh, yeah, it was a Dracula vibe going on a little bit there somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. It's and then, such a unique movie. And then the, the, the little bit of trivia I, I read, which was um, the shot uh, when you see Mitchum on a horse in the distance, it was actually a dwarf on a pony. <laughs> because they wanted that to get the shot me. they wanted to get the shot right and so they had to have a smaller person on a pony which I thought was brilliant what a great idea it's, I love I love the artificiality of all that bit. yeah you know the, 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 the river and everything you can tell it's not a real river yeah and you can tell everything's on a set but that kind of adds to the whole folklore part the whole yeah the whole fairy tale yeah there was a wonderful bit towards the end where John is uh, paddling the boat and he has literally just touched his oar into the water and the boat just suddenly zooms off and you can just see the string being pulled from off screen. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, that's that's kind of cool. But um, no, no, mate, seriously, my minor gripes aside, this is exceptional. I loved it. I really did love it. It's a, it's a wonderful film. And it's um glad you liked. Yeah, I really did. And it's and it's something I will watch again and again. It's a very modern feeling film, don't you think? I mean oh, it's if, brutal. if this was made with I'm mean, I'm a struggle to imagine who could play Mitchum's part in this. Um maybe Javier Bardem or someone. Someone yeah, someone just that's I could I could see that working. And a bit mystic, you know. But um if this was made now, I mean you could recreate every shot and it would not feel non-contemporary no um just trying to think well the only one that instantly kind of springs to mind i know this is a weird pull but if you do it in the early 90s mid 90s you could do jürgen prockner he he could do it he could do mitchum Mm. and uh yeah i'd 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 say he could do that oh fassbender fassbender could do it oh yeah um fassbender would be great and mad nicholson Mads Mikkelsen could do it. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. I I love it when we uh, recast movies. It's brilliant. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Oh, before bef- before we do our rating, gush of the week. Well, it's got to be um, it's got to be Shelley Winters, isn't it? Hasn't it just? She's amazing yeah. in this. She really is. Yeah. I mean, I I was kind of sort of half laughing and sort of half horrified when she goes through that whole speech of, oh, he, he my ex-husband, he uh, wanted to buy me perfume and frilly dresses and all this, and I let him. And it was like, mm. yeah, but you, hang on, you can't blame him. You let him. Uh, oh. That re- <laughs> that religious fervor part is mm. it is remarkably uh-huh. um, remarkably contemporary, right? isn't? Isn't it? Isn't it? It's, yes. it's, it's almost like. Uh, as long as I'm saying it loud, you'll all agree with me. Yeah. And they do. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. It's do you remember, so easy to... Do you remember that scene in, uh, in Family Guy when uh, Lois is running for mayor and she just goes, 9-11, and everyone cheers. And then she goes, 9, <laughs> and everyone goes, <gasps> and she goes, 11. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is kind of like that. It's not dissimilar to you know that you know that and sort of saying, yeah, well, my uh, 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 convict of a husband who is now dead, he he was the devil, and he he bought me all these you know uh, uh, expendable things, and it's just sort of like, well, yeah, but you let him. Mm. You, you're a mob. You're a mob wife. You know, you, you're Car- <laughs> you're Carmela Soprano at the moment. You know, just let it go. But um, 
No, what what a fantastic film and what a fantastic choice, my friend. So I I don't think I really need to ask this, but I'm guessing your rating is maybe near the tens. Oh, it's it's, it's a twelve if it could be. Yeah, it's definitely ten for me. Is this is this in your top list? Oh, it's in my top ten of all time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. I, um, I mean, my top ten is very subjective because it goes on what I could reach for any time and i think uh-huh. my you know my one to three are always kind of fluxing between rebecca it's a wonderful life and mr blanding's bills's dream house right. <laughs> so, so i mean i mean subjectively i can't really and red state of course can't really get past the yeah, exactly red state the red state zero <laughs> for me <laughs> well so in, that means it's above in one. every way yeah. i'm joking, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I, I love you too much Smokey. <laughs> Every time you raise that can to your lips, I want to be that cat. Mm. Anyway, but um, yeah, <laughs> dear God. Um, night, but Night of the Hunter for me is an absolute artistic triumph. It's, it's a it's a perfect film. Personally, I find it a perfect film yeah. um, because uh, there's nothing like it. You know, it's it's almost like mm. you could dream that film and it and it would be exactly the same. It, it's a very mm. hard film to replicate. It's a very hard yeah. film to quantify. You you really have to see it. Um, has it ever it been remade? I think it probably has been remade. Let's have a look. Uh, yes, it was remade in 1991 with Richard Chamberlain, which I never want to see in my life. Wow. <laughs> um, no, my yes. word. Um, it's in 2020, it says here, it was reported that Universal Pictures is working on a remake of the film set in the present day and being written by Matt Orton. Matt Orton, stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop it, man. Leave it alone. Honestly, you. unless you've got Michael Fassbender or Javier Bardem sort yep. of circling the role, I would say leave it alone. Leave it alone. Yeah. It's a once in a lifetime movie. You can't. You can't. You can't replicate yeah. it. Go away, Matt. Matt, you have an open invitation to come on all the best lines and explain to us what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> How will you do it better than this? <laughs> it's like Fair someone enough. pulled a dream out of your head and put it on screen. Mm. That's the only way mm-hmm. I can describe it. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Well, I'll give my rating as well. Okay, that's your rating. Uh, mine is it's it's about uh, it's it's over an eight. It's about an eight and a half, I think. It's I I really did. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great film. It was just it was just after that hour mark, and I was just sort of like, ah, oh, why why do that? Um, all I had to do was make the ending a bit more ambiguous towards the lives of Poppy and John. I, I uh, Sorry, Pearl and John. Poppy? Where did that come from? Pearl and John. And um, and that would have been a lot more, I don't know, a bit more of an ambiguous ending, I think, possibly might have satiated my desire. Um, but I, I can't I can't knock it, I, I, I really, apart from those two little bits. So, yeah, oh, Okay, I'm gonna give it a nine. It's it's yeah, it's it's a great film. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Interesting. Um, but I, I'm I'm actually just... gonna make a note to come back to you in a year okay. and to see if your okay. opinion of it has improved because I think it's a film that doesn't really connect with the conscious. I think it connects with the subconscious, which is an incredibly Freudian piece of bull that I just said. Fair enough. 
Well, uh, let me put it this way. I had just had my uh, second vaccination before I watched it. So maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe I'll be more yeah. sympathetic towards it. Maybe, you know, the 5G chip that's in my arm now might, might have wow. just distorted my view a little bit. <laughs> so that was uh, Night of the Hunter. What a fantastic choice. Well done, mate. Eventually. Nacht de la Hunter. Oh, really? (laughs) 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 Okay. So, um, we need to talk about what we're going... Well, sorry, we need. I need to give you the genre for what we're going to talk about next. Go on, then. So, I'm I'm going to be putting you on the spot again. Yeah. As I am want to do. But we are going, again, to a listener request. Oh, okay. um, Yeah, which I didn't tell you about. And it's not a genre, it's an actor. You may have seen this on Twitter. It's from our mutual friend, uh, Nick Vickery-Brown. And she wishes us to do a James Cagney film. Oh, Nicky, Nicky, Nicky. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Smokey. Now listen. Mm -hmm. How experimental do you want to go here? Well, I tell you what, would it help if I told you what films I have seen of his? Okay, go on then. Yeah, all right. Give yeah. me one second. Uh, bring up Mr. Cagney on my old list. And I'll tell you what I have seen. So obviously because we watched these quite recently with Film Club, I've seen White Heat mm. and I've seen the Roaring Twenties. Right. I've seen The Public Enemy, The Strawberry Blonde, and Blonde Crazy. Right. So if you wish to pick any of them, that's fine. But if you wish to pick something I haven't seen, then that's even better. You've se- Sorry, Say those again, quickly. Okay. White Heat. Mm. Roaring Twenties. Mm. Public Enemy. Mm. Strawberry Blonde. And Blonde Crazy. Okay. So if you wish to pick something else, that's fine. If you wish to pick one of those, I don't mind either. Because it is about time we talk about Mr. Cagney. Okay, everyone. Now I know this is going to kill Smokey. But I'm going to go with 1933's Footlight Parade. Right, yep. And I apologise to you in advance, Smokey, but right. f*** yes to everyone else. <laughs> Is there a particular reason you've picked that one? Now listen. Um... <laughs> when he starts with, now listen. <laughs> now, I, I haven't picked this because you hate musicals. This isn't a musical per se. Okay. This, is, uh, a mu- uh, this is a film set around the entertainment industry, okay. and it features songs okay. in it. But there are certain passages of this film that mm. I believe are cinematic masterpieces. And there aren't many times you see James Cagney dance. And there certainly aren't many times you see James Cagney sing. And I have to say, Footlight Parade is one of the films that I consider to be the most entertaining of all time. Wow. Now, if we can't do White Heat and we can't do Angels with Dirty Faces and we can't do Roaring Twenties... Well, as I said, we can, we to... but... <laughs> we can, we can, we can, we can. But also, Footlight Parade is a f- ton of fun, honestly. Okay. It's, just, it's, it's a very a good f- film. Now, I that know needs to be on the cover. But... A f- ton of fun, Adam Roach. <laughs> a f- ton of fun. A heap ton of fun. <laughs> a, fun a fun ton of f- <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's it's a really good, entertaining movie, and okay. I know you're gonna hate it, but yeah. I f-ing love it. That's okay. So, That's so, okay, yeah, man. Hey, look, it, it, do you want? Do you know what? Right, f- it. I'm gonna give myself a little bit of credit here. I turned yeah. up for Film Club when Top Hat was on. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and and I wasn't nasty. Yeah. I was very 
you know, respectful of the You were, the sn- you were snidey, but you weren't nasty. I wasn't snidey. I was just sort of like, well, this makes no sense whatsoever. But yeah, okay. But it was beautiful mm. Oh, God, here comes another song. I think that was a comment. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did say that, didn't I? Um, but <laughs> Many times. It, it, it was exactly the same as Singing in the Rain. It was beautiful to look at. The choreography was gorgeous. The music was wonderful. And I hated every f***ing second of it, but I still stick it out. And I still give them 5 out of 10 every time because they're so beautiful. Okay, I'm going to give you some recommendations for Footlight Parade. Okay. Um, oh, first, I would say Hour is basically just a kind of comedy, drama, rom-com deal. The last half hour is a series of musical numbers, um, the reason behind which you will see as the film goes on. But it's not so much the songs, it's more the staging Mm. of the songs, including a quite magnetic, hypnotic, unbelievable number called By a Waterfall, staged by Busby Berkeley, which, I mean... Oh, okay. If you never watch another mu- movie musical in all your life, you have to watch this one because you would just marvel at the artistry. I think there are certain moments in it where you just your your jaw will kind of hang open and you'll go, "What? Like those can't be people I'm seeing on the screen." It's just it's worth right, yeah. it's worth seeing. It's worth seeing. One, wonderful! I I look forward to it. Okay. I really do. See, steadfast, steadfast, my ass. You're steadfast as fuck. Yeah, no, no. I'm saying I'm not, motherfucker. I'm just, I'm saying that I can, I can watch these films and appreciate them. I, I was trying to prove thingy wrong, uh, Victoria. Victoria yeah. yeah, took a time to write an email. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not wrong. <laughs> there we go. Love you. Anyway, Put like parade. Oh I yeah. Love you too. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Nick. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, you did. By the way, yeah, Nick, you didn't see Adam's glee and clapping that he was doing. He was so happy. Cagney. God, of all the James Cagney films, you were for a musical. Okay, fine. It's either that or Yankee Doodle Dandy, and you wouldn't have liked that one. I'm telling you. I, <laughs> I, I've, I, well, I already, I already saw part of that at the film festival, and I ducked out very early. So, yeah. So yeah, that's Fedos. Okay, well, this has been wonderful, my friend. Um, this is, yeah, uh, thank you for choosing Night of the Hunter. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Oh, no. Um, yeah, but we are edging closer to episode 15 when it is my choice, and I'm really looking forward to that. So. What film is it? Yeah. I, I'm not telling you. I've told you I'm not telling Why? you. It's all going to be a surprise because I'd like to surprise you. Okay. Is it two girls, one cup? How the Okay, right. So, thank you very much for listening. Help thank me. you very much for listening to all the best lines. Um, yeah, it's been wonderful. And thank you for everyone for their correspondence. And uh, yeah, and if you want to be cool, like um, the the wicked person and uh, G Man Brad, you can leave us a five star rating and review. That would be very nice. Who's the wicked and, person, Beatrice or V? Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. I've drunk too much beer now. I'll I'll put it in the edit. I'll do something. Um, But yeah, but um, we're getting out of here now. So my friend, until next time, and Mr. Jimmy Cagney, and uh, yeah, uh, all the best. Lions. How long can I hold this? (laughs) Still going. Mm -hmm.
I was just taking a breath before this. <laughs> oh, that's cheating. I'm still exhaling. He's going to pass out. You've got red. You've got red. I'm purple. Such a kind way of talking to you. So, okay, go on. That's all right. Give, give, um, give Victoria some of that candy. Go on. Oh, trust me. Go on. It's, it's coming, sir. Um, <laughs> but, but. <laughs> <laughs>